Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 10 of the Own the Moment podcast. My name is TJ Lasig, and I am your host here at OTM. And as always, I am joined by my co-host. This is the man that has been keeping a close eye on the cosmic market over the past couple of days, Mr. Justin Herzig. Justin, how are we doing tonight? We're doing well. It has been a busy day for us. TJ was making some noise over in the more market side, the financial side of things. I had a little chat with a good friend of mine, Darren Heidner, earlier on a pod. Uh, it's been a busy day. Yeah, it really has. This is b- both of our second podcast of the day. Obviously, we had the show earlier this week with Awesome O on Monday. If you have not yet checked that out, thought that Alex had a lot of insightful things to say. We're here tonight, just the two of us. Justin and I have been talking, and we, we think that we need to get back to also having podcasts with just the two of us where we can dive a little bit more into the strategy Having the guests on is awesome and a lot of great conversations there, but we feel like we can have some some more pointed discussions with just the two of us. So we are going to be coming out with more of a standard weekly schedule that we will keep you guys posted on so that you can get into a little bit of a routine here and you guys can know when to find us and what different topics we'll be talking about on which days. So looking forward to that. All right, so for today, we're just going to, to dive into a little bit of, of what's been going on for the past week here in the market. We had probably the, the craziest bull run that we've seen, or not probably, definitely the craziest bull run that we've seen in Top Shot to date over the past couple of days. Then we saw a bit of a pullback here as things have slowed down. We had two stress tests over the past 24 hours with two releases of 5K common packs into the marketplace, both of which I think we saw 80k plus people waiting in line so we continue to see massive demand we're going to touch on all of that today as well as our strategies during the bull run since we never fully got to dive into that and then how we are handling this dip and how we think everyone should be handling all of that so how does that sound justin I think you've touched on it. I'm ready to go. I know we uh, kind of seated, uh, asked the Discord to give us some questions as well. There was a lot of great questions there. So we're going to, you know, looking forward to kind of dive into those at the end of the show as well. Yes, sir. Yeah, we've got a couple questions queued up from our members of the Discord. Shout out. If you are not a member of the Discord and you would like to be, you can dig through our Twitter feed. We, we did post out the sign up list at one point. We still are operating on a wait list, but trying to get everyone in as quickly as we can so that we can continue to grow this community here at Own the Moment. All right. So first, I want to talk about the the bull run that we went on here, Justin, because there was a ton of momentum for a three, four day period where it felt like you just couldn't go wrong and everything was going up. The series two commons were going on a massive run. We had the rumor mill of the 15,000 circulating count moving to limited edition. We were trying to do some speculation on which moments might move to limited edition. Turned out that they all did. So it didn't really seem to to matter which ones you selected. So can you just talk a little bit about during that bull run, what your strategy was, what you were thinking about, and looking back on it, do you feel comfortable with, with how you approached it? And how will you prepare for, for the next momentum run, which I'm sure we will have at some point in the near future. Yeah. And I mean, I think a good way to kind of take a step back and look at that larger picture. When you think back to when you and I were talking with Goron, our you know um, lead engineer, who's really is the mastermind behind this OTM 50. One of the questions I had for him was, 
What was the difference between kind of that zero to 200, which was the first, you know, kind of climb spike back in mid-January, and then what we saw more recently, which was kind of where, you know, it dipped, but then it went up to like 400. Since that point, and we thought that was like a crazy just to get up to that 400, which was twice of you know, the same level of what it was on the initial spike, we got up to almost 1,000. So we basically did 5x from what we thought the craziness was when we first joined back in mid-January. And so I think that highlighting how crazy of a bull market it really was and why when we started to have a little bit of a correction, it, you know, we weren't really shook or anything. It was actually a healthy correction. It was necessary. And since then, we've even kind of leveled off that correction, kind of gone up, kind of stayed. You see that there's different, um, maybe the more like some of the S2s have been dropping a bit, but your S1s, it looks like it's more of just kind of a reallocation of funds since then. Um, but I think that's that. So put us in the larger picture of where we see, um, you know, where we've seen the kind of movement in the market. Now, from a strategy perspective and what I've been thinking. Well, let's rewind. Early on, joining, let's say, maybe we're at a point now on three weeks ago, four weeks ago, I was still pretty heavily in like, you know, S1s always love scarcity, value, long-term. I still think that was the kind of the bread and butter. Um, second is those rookies. And without a doubt, we definitely got in ahead of the game on that, um, you know, the S2 rookies before that kind of craziness. TJ and I were making purchases of, I think it was like Anthony Edwards at like $65, $70. And I mean, like at the time it was like, well, let's see, the number one overall draft pick, $70 compared to like, I think you were seeing some of the other guys at 2, 3x that. Like it made sense. We had our strategy there and we went hard for it. What we were late to the game on is the rest of the S2 comments. And that's where, you know, my going into it, going into Top Shot, my philosophy was S2 wasn't going to be that much different than S3, which wouldn't be that much different than S4. Um, I was thinking like, you know, the rookies and the S1, those are the ones that will always help hold that level of scarcity and uniqueness. So that's where I put my investments. And we probably missed out on some, uh, I'd say, short-term serious gains. Uh, because if you were just saying, hey, I'm going to go for the high value, the, I don't want to say high value, the high superstars, the, you know, the elite players of that S2, and really anywhere throughout, you saw those massive gains. So we eventually got there, and we can talk about that, um, but full admitting, we were a little late to that game. Yeah, I'd agree with that. We definitely saw a massive run in the S2s, and as we've had news of the new moments that are going to be minted, the fact that we're going to see now 25,000 circulating counts, 50,000 circulating counts in the future. I mean, I, I'm sure we're going to see 100K counts in the future as the user base continues to grow. And I think that that was maybe one of the assumptions that that we did not fully think through. And right now it's like, oh man, 15,000. When, when we first saw the 15,000 circulating count, we were like, oh my goodness, that's such a large supply. There's no way that's going to hold value. But now thinking, thinking bigger picture, if there's, you know, 100K commons that becomes the norm, 15K is all of a sudden looking super rare. And so for right. that reason, we feel that, that the S2 is going to gain some more value. I think we also have talked a little bit about, and we can get into that next, this kind of strategy of leveling up and consolidating right now, consolidating some series two in order to get the series one. And we think that in the future, people will be looking to consolidate series three, series four in order to get up to series two. So I think that's another reason why S2 is probably going to hold more long-term value than we were originally thinking. Right, and to be fair, while I would say we were late to that game, 
we definitely caught up very quickly because while we, you know, we're not able to get in on the KD, his first being moment, you know, his first moment, some like the Luca that you saw the extreme. What we realized though is very quickly, okay, there is still value here. And so before that kind of S2 run finished, we decided, okay, hey, we know we've changed our way we think about things. And we now take a new understanding of, okay, so S2 will actually hold some value, we feel long-term. Where are the undervalued players? And that's where for me personally, it was the Zach Levine. And so the way that I did an analysis is I took and I said, okay, I took a chart of all of the S1 MGLE prices, and then I took all of the S2 comments. And I took a ratio of those two to find out where is the greatest uh, ratio of the MGLE to the S2 common? Because that would tell me that, hey, as we feel that the S1 MGLE is efficient, then the S2 would be a value. And identified Zach Levine at only $10. And so I think I ended up getting around 44 of him, just hammering all, as many as I could from 10 to $15. And I actually learned an interesting thing is um, as I was buying him at 10 and people started like, you know, own the moment just showed up nonstop, I got tails like crazy. And it was just, might be seeing people just saying, hey, this person's buying some, maybe there's momentum, maybe they're not seeing something, maybe it had something to do with, okay, hey, Justin likes these, I like them too. Um, but that just, you know, that started moving. And then long-term, we saw that shoot up to 15200 Once people realized like, hey, there's no reason Zach Levine should be anywhere near these, um, should be more aligned. Um, I think for you, it was Jimmy Butler, my second one, because once again, once I was like, okay, Zach Levine's my top priority, um, I was then like, okay, where else would it be? And just didn't have as much of an opportunity. And now I was like, okay, Dwight Howard's the one. And uh, I know that Dwight Howard didn't have the level of upside. He doesn't have the level of um, potential for his career from a Zach Levine standpoint with what Zach Levine is showing right now. But Dwight Howard still has two defensive player of the years, still has a ton of all-stars. Um, and again, he was only going for $10. So I think I bought actually this time 78 of Dwight Howard's. And that one got from the $10 to around 50, 60. I think it's hovering around like 40, 50 now. And same idea. No, it doesn't have that 10, 15x upside that we saw with the Levine, but it was still, that's still four or five X and that's amazing. And when you compare to where we were, you know, thinking about putting our money in Cosmics beforehand, when we were putting money in like the larger S1s, it's all extremely difficult to get a four to five X return on those. So when you're able to identify values in the lower uh, cost areas, like what we were seeing with us to a comment. And this is going to be a strategy that we continue to implement going forward. That's where, yes, there may be a bit more effort that you have to put into it. And maybe there might be even a little more risk because if the market just falls off out of those. Um, but the upside is significantly greater because it's so much easier for a Dwight Howard for $10 to go to 50 than for a low, you know, a cosmic that you buy the Jokic that we bought for 20,000 to go to 100,000. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I followed a similar strategy. My, my two primary targets were Jimmy Butler. I bought about 50 Jimmy Butlers between 15 and $17. He, he went up to like 140 at one point, but now I think he's back in, in the $80 range. And then Joel Embiid, I also bought around 30 Joel Embiid's at around the $55 mark. I yep. think he's trading around 160 now. He was, he was also up to, to 250 or whatever before the pullback, but I think another question people may have is why why are we just picking one or two guys and going heavy on those? And to me, to me, I think there's a couple of reasons. One, I think it's just a simpler strategy, right? Dial in on the two people that you like the most and and really go heavy at those as opposed to trying to say, oh, I like all 20 of these guys. And instead of buying 20 of the same person, I'm going to buy 20 different 
single moments of different players. I think that just becomes a lot to track, a lot to manage. And then the second is really that momentum factor, like you just said. What, whatever it is, and yeah, yeah, maybe it applies extra specially to us, but I, in general, I think once momentum builds and you see or someone sees anyone picking up 10 in a row of the same moment, people are like, oh, this person must be onto something. They, they almost get like FOMO and then they just start buying. And then you can very quickly, the other thing I noticed is that like once you break down that initial low ask, like usually there will be a, a wall of low asks at a certain price, right? So say with Jimmy Butler, it's like once you once you got to the $20 mark, all of a sudden then it's like, then it goes to 25 and 30. And like, because now you have people that have just listed their prices previously at higher prices and it kind of by default raises that floor and gives you that quick upside. So I think that is another aspect there. That's a, that's a great point that I never actually conceptualized that now that you say it, I'm like, oh, yeah, I've seen that, but I never, you know, put it into thought process. Um, but I think the thing is, and we're not recommending a, we don't give advice, investment advice here. We're just talking strategy, but like, we're not recommending that you do this as a way of like to, you know, get momentum and then sell out of it because the level of effort, the cost, the risk, the, you know, ex expeditional fees from marketplace, just, it's not worth it. There is a chance that, you know, momentum is not going to hold value for a player long-term. Um, so definitely take that in mind. Don't just say, Hey, you know, we're going to go after this player, me and some friends, and we're going to buy 30 of them. And we're going to raise that price. And then if you try to get out of that, well, the price is just going to start going down the other way. Um, but if you have feeling from a long term of that player, uh, then go for it. Because uh, if you buy them all at once, then you're A, getting as many as possible at that lower floor. But yeah, you may get some momentum effect as well. Yeah. And then the other element here that we've talked a little bit about that I think is relevant as well is the idea of opportunity costs. Sorry. Um, opportunity costs. So in this in this bull market, right, everything was going up. So it was hard to make a bad decision. Like everyone felt like a genius because pretty much whatever your portfolio was, you were going to be going up. But the question was really around, well, am I maximizing my opportunity here? And that I think is where we kind of realized like, hey, these series two rookies, yes, they have increased a ton and they still have upside for more. But like, is Anthony Edwards really going to go from 1800 to 6,000 or 8,000? Maybe, but, but is that, you know, to me, that's less likely than what you just said. Zach Levine going from 10 to 50 is a heck of a lot easier to happen. And so for someone looking for more of that short-term play and to get those larger gains, I think that's really something to think about. And also this kind of FOMO element. I hear a lot of talk of people like, oh my God, I sold LaMelo at 1200 and then he went to, to 3600 Like what a bad sale. But if you took that 1200 and invested it in a bunch of moments that 4X or 5X, then you actually got a better return than you would have if you held that LaMelo. So I think it's just an important thing to think about, especially when we're in these crazy bull markets. Every dollar that you're spending on a certain moment is a dollar that, that you cannot be spending elsewhere. And it's re really just a, a basic economic principle that I think applies directly to this market in Top Shot. Right. And we don't want to paint only a rosy picture that, hey, this is a guaranteed strategy by the cheaper ones because they have the most to go up because they also have more risk. And that's what we've seen with this, you know, the bear market for the past couple of days. The S2s are the ones that really took the largest hit. So let's use that Zach Levine example. It got up to 200. It's now at 124. Like, 
that's a 40% decrease from if you were buying at the top. And so these ones, you know, they probably, hey, if they have volatility on the upside, they probably have volatility as a risk too. And if you had a portfolio right now, you would see that S1s actually haven't taken much of a hit. And if anything, part of that's because as a leveling up, what we said is when the prices for those S2 started going down because people wanted to sell, people took their, their gains, they realized them and they want to say, okay, let me go into maybe a safer asset. Let me maybe go into a higher value asset. Let me take my S2 and move that to S1. So while S1 didn't get anywhere near the gains that you know those S2 commons did, they stayed safer. They kept their gradual. And now we probably feel it a bit more. Um, and so that's where it's worth kind of keeping in mind and considering, okay, yes, there's upside with some strategies, but and we, very in a week, we saw both the upside and the risk and the downside. But at the end of the day, because I was getting in at that $10, yes, I no longer have 20x. Yes, that 20, you know, 200 went down to 120. But that's still a 12x because you know, I was confident in the early process, dry, you know, getting that as it drove up or way, even way before it drove up. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's just a level of, of maturity and how we approach Top Shot, right? And, and kind of having, having a balanced portfolio. You, you don't want to, the same way that you should approach like a stock portfolio or a crypto portfolio, right? You have like some Bitcoin and then maybe you experiment with some of the altcoins. I don't know. I'm not a big crypto guy, but same with the stock market. You, you have your apples and your kind of blue chip stocks like that. And then maybe you have some riskier stocks. And to me, in Top Shots, those S1s are more of the staples, more of the, the safer plays that we expect to continue to grow over time. We've actually seen some particular S1s like the Metallic Golds really had, had their kind of big 3x, 4x increase. But eventually they're going to have to slow down, right? The Metallic Golds can't you're like, sure, that a lot of them went from 600 to 4,000, but then that's a much easier move than going from 4,000 to 40,000. So eventually, each of these kind of is going to, to approach their ceiling. And I think it's important to always be evaluating your portfolio. And that, that actually that actually transitions well into one of the, the questions we got. So I'm going to, to pull that up here because I think this is an interesting one. From the Discord from Worm369, been thinking about segmenting my portfolio into three parts, long-term holds, short-term holds, one to three months, and then day trading with undervalued assets with upside. Any thoughts on the strategy? I think this is, is very similar to what we were just talking about, right? With, with what we were just saying, maybe not necessarily day trading, but like week trading on kind of some of those bulk S2 buys, some of or, or maybe those are in the short-term holds period. And then we have some of the items in our portfolio that are are more of the long-term holds. And we'll, we'll touch specifically on some of that later. But do you, do you have any thoughts? And do you think about your portfolio in this way at all in terms of long, medium, short-term buys? Yeah, and I think it was probably episode maybe like two or so when we talked about, um, I also think of a short, medium, long-term. And my short, medium, long-term are probably the same thing that you defined there, Worm, about you know that one to three months is probably my medium term. Um, and every time I'm going to make a purchase on something, mentally, I think about, okay, where would this fit into my portfolio? Uh, for example, when I was making those Dwight Howard purchases, um, I actually saw those as long term, because my thought process was that there was value at its current price. But I think Dwight Howard will actually be considered a more valuable moment after he retires. One, you've got the China factor, he's the number two most popular player um, amongst China, and amongst like the China NBA fans, we saw a report on. Uh, two, he's got two defensive player of the years, as I said, He's a perennial all-star, 
has been dunk contests. Like the way that we look back on him, even though big mans are usually kind of you know pushed down a little, um, I think that he'll he will live long. His career will live longer than it is when he has it now at the tail end of that career right now, not making all star games, not getting full minutes, and so forth. Um, and so that was part of like, hey, where does this fit into my portfolio? And so I'm in complete agreement. Everything you buy should have a a theoretical. When are you going to get out of this? Because you know, and TJ, we were talking about this with your Jimmy Butler situation. You found a great value in Jimmy Butler, but you didn't go into it with an idea of when should I be selling here. Um, and I think that's if you have that line of sight, you can change that. You don't need to stick to it, but at least if you have initial hypothesis, an initial target for it, from there you can adjust and kind of continue to question: Is this the right time to sell, or what am I waiting for? What am what is going to push me over the edge? Is it a price? Is it something on the basketball court? Is it a, uh, we're going to get to get to the all-star game at the end of the season, but something should be there for a reason for why I'm ready to sell or planning to. Yeah, I agree with that. And I, I kind of didn't, didn't follow my own advice. I talked previously about the, the idea of a kind of an emotional hedge almost of buying multiple of a single moment. And then as it increases, selling some of it back while keeping the rest to kind of take profits along the way. And I, I did not do that with the Jimmy Butlers. And obviously hindsight's twenty twenty. I think I think a lot of us were like, oh, this bull market's never going to end, right? And, and part of me, I got, I don't really regret it because I felt like the the upside of it just continuing to pump. Like I, I, I would rather have sold a little bit too late than too early because I thought that the pullback could maybe be like 15, 20% like is what happened. Whereas the upside could have continued to be another two, three, four, five X. So I, I don't necessarily regret that, but I think it's something to keep in mind in the future that as you're entering into a position, have some sort of plan as to what your intention is, how long you plan to hold it, what is your potential exit strategy. Uh, and, and yeah, something that I'm going to to make sure that I have in the future as I make any new purchases. I mean, in one of our parts of our exit strategy has been, I'm only going to sell when I know I'm going to buy elsewhere and I have an idea of what I'm going to buy. And uh, I think I've kind of adapted to there may actually be value in kind of holding. Um, there may be value in holding on to a bit of uh, capital in the dapper, even if it's a small amount. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think so too. Just waiting for opportunities, especially. I know for us, we're always keeping an eye on. Looks like we just lost Justin. Keeping an eye on some of the higher end markets so that we can spot an opportunity as it comes up. Uh, uh, one of the things that I have been looking at pretty heavily is the metallic gold series ones feel like i've noticed a lot of good opportunities there they've definitely increased over the past couple of days but going a couple of days back you were able to get guys like chris paul guys like paul george in the six seven hundred dollar range they've all spiked up since then but honestly some of the the cheaper metallic golds series ones even if they're not the best players i still think they're good buys just because of the trajectory of that set as a whole. And I know Justin and I both believe that that set is going to hold some long-term value as well. It's also an interesting one because unlike the commons, there's a shorter supply, right? So you have opportunities to kind of buy out the floor or, you know, notice that, Hey, if I buy two of these, it's going to go, the price is going to go from $800 to $1,200 just by me buying these two. And then by there, you've kind of already made 50% on your money. And if you want to just relist it for 1200 or 1500, you can do that. So that's another thing that 
I have been considering in my personal gain. And that kind of leads to another question here, which is, and I, I do want to get Justin's perspective on this when he comes back, but I don't know. Now this is going over my screen. Um, this is a question from Discord from KSPL. Interested in hearing thoughts on the Series 2 Metallic Gold Limited Editions. This is going to be used for future challenges. The supply is a bit artificially low right now because we know that more is still to come in packs. And how do we compare these to the Metallic Gold Series 1? I thought that this was a good question. First off, I've seen some rumors on Twitter about the rare pack appearing somewhere on the Top Shot site. It seems like somehow a draft page got released. So it, it looks like we're going to have a rare pack coming our way soon. We are going to wait to tweet anything out until we hear that official confirmation and until we see officially what is in those packs. But we are expecting a rare pack drop to come in the near future, which would be super exciting. And as a part of those, there will be more Metallic Gold Series 2s released. So I, I personally had six Metallic Gold Series 2s. I, I was fortunate enough to get that Legendary pack back in the day. I also had a friend that had gotten a Legendary pack but wasn't super into Top Shot, so I had just purchased his off of him. So that, that's how I got six Metallic Golds. And I ended up selling the majority of them. I had like a James Harden, a Jason Tatum. I think I sold them both for around 1200 I know that they've both, again, gone up significantly since then, but at the same time, the other stuff that I bought with the proceeds has gone up too. So I'm looking James Harden right now is at 4,100. So I, I think similar, I think my first thought on the Metallic Gold Series 2 was that they weren't going to have nearly as much value as Metallic Gold Series 1. However, as Justin and I talked about with the commons, I do think that the Metallic Gold Series 2 is going to have long-term value. And if I could go back, I probably would hold on to my, my James Harden and my Jason Tatum that I had sold off, but hey, Hindsight is 2020. I, I was able to at least buy some pretty solid moments with those proceeds anyways. So not too worried about it, but I do think that the Metallic Gold Series 2 is one to target. And I think that anyone that's able to get their hands on these rare packs is going to be in phenomenal shape at that point. All righty, let's see. I will go ahead and pull up another question here. So I can pull up this one. This is from our friend Evan Tan in the chat and in the Discord. What are some of the backbone moments that are must-haves in terms of long-term investment? Pick one in each price range, greater than 10K, 5 to 10K, 1K to 5K, and less than 1K. So I thought that this was another good question as well. We, we've said in the past we do not want to see here giving away picks. But because this is about what is a long-term play, we, we feel okay about giving some of these out because the, these are moments that, that we likely do hold in our portfolios but are not planning to get rid of anytime soon. In terms of above 10K, we just talked about the Metallic Gold Series 1, definitely very high on them. I would also say any Cosmic at this point. We've seen a lot of movement in the cosmic market over the past couple of days. A lot of the floor being bought off, you know, someone as low as as Osman being bought the floor in in the last couple of days. So I think any any you know if you have that kind of bankroll, any cosmic is is a no brainer, is a good play. And of course, I have to tout the LeBron Kobe tribute dunk 
at this point, it's it's way too expensive to really purchase. But I mean, I have one and that is a long term hold for me. I don't think anyone is going to be ripping that out of my hands for less than six figures. If I'm being completely honest, I believe that the, the LeBron Kobe dunk, even the common out of a thousand is going to have a floor of 100K someday. So shout out to producer Coop. Him and I are going to be holding on to that thing for the long term. That's his kid's college fund in the making. And we're excited about that. In terms of the 5 to 10K range, and I do have Justin's picks here as well. He had a bit of a situation that he had to attend to. So I do not, do not think that he's going to be able to join us. So you guys are stuck with me solo for likely the remainder of this podcast. So in terms of in between 5 and 10K, Justin's pick was the metallic gold LE Chris Paul. I, I also am a big fan of that play. I have two metallic gold Chris Pauls as well myself. And this kind of goes with the same reason that Justin likes Dwight Howard in that Chris Paul is down towards the end of his career here. There's not likely to be many more moments for him. For all we know, he could retire after the season. And that has a, has a good chance to, to be a great moment for someone who is likely going to go down as a, a top three point guard of all time, at least in terms of the point guards that are going to be available in top shot. So Chris Paul is a great one that we have our eye on. I also really like the Zion Series one common block. I think that's trading just below 10K now, but that's his first moment. It's a cool moment in Zion's block and obviously super bullish on the future of Zion. I feel like that's another one that holds long-term value and that I am looking to hold on to for the long-term. In between the one and 5K range, Justin wrote down his metallic gold series one, Dwight Howard. Again, the guy just loves Dwight Howard probably more than anyone so he's, he's clearly super bullish on him. I think he's trading at around 3K right now. And then in my range here, I, I wrote down the Vince Carter one. I just think that the Vince Carter was one of the, the first moments that I purchased. It's, it's actually crazy. I got my first Vince Carter for, I think, $175. And now he's trading around 4K. Just think that that's one. It's going to be his, his first moment, his only moment. It was right before the end of COVID. I think there's a lot of historical significance there. So... I have two of the Vince Carter moments and do not plan on selling them anytime soon. I also do like the Kevin Durant series two common just because it's, it's not his first moment, but it's his first common moment in, and first moment that he was with the Nets. So I like that Kevin Durant as a long-term hold as well. And then less than 1K, Justin had Kira Lewis, who is uh, one of the S2 rookies on the cheaper side that, that we've been targeting feel that he has long-term potential and some upside to turn into a really good player with rumors of Lonzo Ball potentially going to be traded. We feel that that would really boost Kyra's value in the short term, but we are also long-term bullish on him as well. And then for my play under 1K, I went with John Wall, who was someone that I went really heavy on early when he was around $15 to $18. I think he's around $120 now. John Wall's first moment, you know, pretty not a top, top tier elite player, but Pretty good player, all, perennial all-star. So thought that that's a, a good value for John Wall and something that I'm going to be looking to hold on to for the long term. All right, I'm just going to work through some questions here. We got another one from Worm, 3696. Thought this was a good question as well. How are you planning to approach the new commons coming out? Are you liquidating or adding new funds so you can acquire some of the moments? So Worm right here is referring to the fact that, that we have new moments that have been minted. They will be released in the very near future. I assume that 
some of these new common moments will be a part of the potential upcoming rare pack that we have. We know that some of them are going to now be 25K circulating count, which is of course greater than the 15K that we've seen in the past. And my original thought was that the new moments being released were going to hurt the current series twos just due to the increase in supply. But I've kind of backtracked on that. And it's for the same reason we said earlier in that I think that the fact that they're moving to the 25K circulating count and then in the future likely to move to a 50K, 100K, I think that the 15K commons are going to, to start to look more and more scarce. And for that reason, I actually think that the influx of new supply could actually be a benefit long-term to the current series too because now they are are not the most or the least in demand of all of the moments, right? They're going to have fewer supply than the new ones that are minted. I also have mixed thoughts on someone like LaMelo, right? So, and some of these other rookies. Right now, LaMelo Ball only has one moment. He has another one that has been minted and will be a part of the new packs. The original thought is that, okay, that's going to, to hurt LaMelo. Uh, but I, I, have a, I have torn thoughts on it because it could just make Lamelo more relevant and make more people want to spend up for you know the real Lamelo. He's also going to have the Master Cool Cat Challenge moment coming up. So I, I think overall the influx of supply is a good thing for the overall market. I think that there's a, a big mismatch in the supply versus the demand right now. So any time that they're able to pump some more of these moments into the market in a healthy way. I think it's good for the overall ecosystem. It'll get a lot more new users into play, give them an opportunity to get more packs, give them an opportunity to, to start hitting the marketplace. I, I do think that there's still a chunk of people that have joined Top Shot and have been trying to get packs but haven't been able to, and maybe they're not ready to take that leap and deposit money and purchase directly from the marketplace. So I think that the release of these moments is going to be a good thing for the people like that. Oh, good timing. I was running out of things to say. He's back. There we go. I went through all the questions though, because then it was kind of like I was talking to someone else, right? Because then I could read the question and then respond to it and have a conversation with myself. But now that you're back, that's good. We it's okay, because I heard you on my phone. I was listening. So you did a great job. So I'll uh, props to cool. DJ for absolutely <laughs> crushing that in times of need. Um, let Everything me jump right. into, you all good? yeah, no, we're good. Okay, cool. I, um, Trakira Lewis is, uh, I'll, I'll touch on from the previous one. Cause I thought that was an interesting, I saw, noticed, uh, Kira Lewis rookie, very bullish on him. Our NBA analyst Bachman, um, you know, done some good analysis on him, compares him to a little De'Aaron Fox, kind of considers him the most underrated rookie of the class. I think that's all helpful. But I still don't completely trade just on kind of our MBA upside, MBA stuff. What I think most interesting here, I mean, yeah, that's very true, especially tonight. Um, specifically, so Kira Lewis's agent is Aaron Turner. Aaron Turner also represents Terry Rozier. What Aaron Turner's been doing on the site we saw is he's actually been buying up a bunch of moments of his clients. And what he did last night is he gifted them to Terry Rozier so that Terry could then run those in an, um, a little charity style thing where Terry would buy and have his moments. If you bought a moment from him, then you would get a signed memorabilia, signed jersey. If you buy his 100K one, you get like courtside seats 
Uh, part of those proceeds were being donated to uh, the local to his charity of choice. So I think overall, we know that Aaron Turner is kind of active in this space. Maybe there's a push that he'll continue to get his, um, you know, his clients, his NBA players, to be active on the site as well. And so I think that's kind of some hidden value uh, for Akira. Uh, other people on that would be Derek Jones Jr. and Victor Oladipo are two of the others that Aaron Turner represents. So interesting there. Um, and that's just like, uh, we'll see kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, the other one that I would be curious to get your perspective on was about the metallic goals and the series twos. I know that originally you shared the same view as me and thinking that they weren't going to be nearly as valuable as the S1s. Has that perspective changed from you at all? I know we've seen some pretty significant movement. And then also I think it's a very relevant topic with the fact that we have a likely rare pack drop coming in the yeah. near future. So I think long-term, I am far more bullish on S1 MGLEs than S2. Uh, short-term, and the reason why those I believe are kind of at the same price, often even more than our S1 MGLE, it is because they're being valued as a utility standpoint for the upcoming challenges. Now, obviously, we're not 100% sure there's going to be challenges for these MGLEs, but there were 18 for Series 1, and I believe there will be a ton for Series 2, too. And I think a lot of people are kind of wise to that. So I think that's where the value is really coming in. And the second is there's very few of them that are actually minted. I think it's less than half. So you have this artificial supply that's driving the prices too. So when you combine those, I think that's why we're seeing from a short term, they are more expensive than the Series 1s. But from a long-term perspective, I'm far more bullish on Series 1 MGLE. Talking to some of the OGs around, I think that MGLE S1 is kind of the most undervalued, um, underpri- no, sorry, underpriced um, set in, on, on all of Top Shot. And the reason why is because $299 at the end of the day is extremely, um, you know, slim when we're talking big picture here. It's going to be one of the few ones that I think actually has repeatability for each year, uh, for each season. So when you consider things like the So Fresh, when you consider things like those kind of one-off legendary or rare packs, uh, they're cool, but it's hard to kind of think about how you value them. Uh, there's no, there, there may not be as much staying power. But with the MGLEs, we know, we believe they're going to be happening every single year. They're really making that a cornerstone um, of the sets each year. And so I really want to focus on, hey, there's going to be a lot of people who want to, okay, there's not maybe a lot. There are going to be people who want to have a complete set of those S1s. And so now these S1 MGLE actually have a level of utility value, even if the player's not that great. If you want to have the complete set, you need to have it though. So that's where I have a couple. I think I have the number five, Jeff Teague. I think I have the number three, um, Justin Holiday. I have another number two of someone. And I got those at a pretty decent count because it was after they're already challenged. They weren't you know, valued. And the players aren't that great from an NBA standpoint. But if someone wants to get a set of all top 10, of all top 25, whatever numbers, those are a great way to do it. So that's why I'm kind of I'm placing them a little above what the market would think. But if somebody is on a mission to try to get X amount of low ones, there you go. Yep. Yeah, I could definitely see when big time collectors get into this, right? They might just want all the metallic golds from all the different series if that's going to be one that repeats over and over time. Uh, w- one good question here from Ben. Not sure if you have any thoughts here on what the price of the new rare pack may be. So we saw the legendary pack go for $9.99. I don't believe we've seen any speculation on a rare pack price. I feel like for me, 
like 499 was is the first number that comes to my head but i don't know if they're gonna price it up due to the total inflation and price it similar to the did with the legendary. I'm curious to see where they go here. And I do not want to give a firm answer one way or the other. I'm sure you not, do not either. But if you were to speculate, what kind of range do you think we're looking at for a rare pack pricing? Okay. So the most recent non-common pack that came out before the hollow was a legendary deck, the hoops, and those were 230. So we saw a jump from 230 to 9.99. So that's about a little more than 4X. Just before that, we saw three rares. There was a season tip-off for $23 and then the run it backs for $59. Um, and it looks like MGLE was $24. Feels a little low, but I was just trying to think about maybe from a multiple. Let's use let's use something like say 50, which was then a quarter of the deck the hoop. So if this came out and we said it's gonna be $299, I think that's probably what my guess would be. Yeah. Yep, makes sense. I also like this comment from Evan. Justin, you should be like Arsenic collecting Zellers, <laughs> but instead you collect a thousand Dwight Howards. <laughs> I feel like you're on a mission there. You're not even on an intentional mission, but uh, at this point, like you're on well on pace to have a thousand Dwight Howards. So we'll have to keep an eye on Justin's road to a thousand Dwight Howards. And we have Library who's guessing 299 for MGLE pack. So Library we know has been around for a while. So definitely value that opinion there that, that that feels like a good price point too but uh, the one thing i do know is that whatever the price point is you're going to want to get in line and you're going to want to try as hard as you can to get that because i mean the values are just crazy right now like these metallic gold series twos are going for thousands of dollars if it's only 299 the ev is going to be through the roof it's going to be just as high as the EV was for the hollow icon, unless something drastically changes in the next three days, which in this market is possible, but it just seems like- I don't know, that's a bad thing. Yeah, yeah, I don't either. I, I think with the commons, when the goal of the commons is eventually be always available, we understand that that expected value needs to get below the $9 or whatever the price is. Uh, that's okay. For these more rare ones, there's no reason for them not to. like. The site isn't trying to gouge us out of money. So there's no reason just to make these significant values. And the cost to acquire one is no longer financial. The cost to acquire one is actually a bit of luck. It's a bit of, do you end up getting the pack? And so, hey, if we say that the expected value for that legendary pack was what well, we end up around 4X, if we say that the expected value for this with the MGLE is going to be about also 4X, then... $300 is actually a little on the lighter side. And maybe it's a little higher, but um, I think it's still a fair assessment. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Cool, well, we're at about the 45 minute point here. Is there anything else that you wanted to make sure we touch on? I know I'm seeing that the marketplace is down, but but it does look like there would be the ability to open a pack if we want to do so. Ooh. It, it, unless I'm, I was able to get to the open pack screen, at least on my monitor, so. I Maybe think when we, we were with Alex Baker, with Awesome you were teasing that you were gonna gonna rip one with us tonight. Yeah, you know what? I think I might. I've been sitting on this one for a while. I've got a series two release twelve that's been burning a hole in my pack wallet. Ooh. Thing, but I was going for some sort of play on words there, and I kind of I landed flat. So sorry, guys. I, it is what it is. So here we okay. go. Series May you rip two. better moments than Three your jokes. 12. 
All right. We got some sound coming, hopefully. Oh, shoot. Oh, don't hold tell on. me you didn't click it. You got to get out of the screen. TJ. Hold on, hold on, hold TJ. on. Hold on, hold on. Producer, kind of host teach this kid? What kind of host am I? What are you going to do? Just leave the stream for like five minutes now and come back? We're good now. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. All right, Justin, door number one, door number two, or door number three? Door number two. Start in the middle. D'Angelo. All right, D'Lo. All right, that's going in the marketplace for about $30. Not too bad. Okay, okay, okay. Let's go producer with Coop one. is showing in number one. Uh, producer Coop wants number one, baby. It's going to be a good one. Let's go. What's that going for? That's going to be a good one. I was going for, oh, and a behind the back. Oh, that's beauty. $384 is the market. Let's go. Yeah. All right. You really do love to see that. Shout out, Producer Coop. I don't. I, you, I believe that that would not have, have worked if you did not give me the tip to go with the number one there. All right. Wow. I mean, that's, that's fantastic. Let's see what we can get to finish things off. Oh, that's low. That's low. Jamal Murray, 152, that's nice. That is very low. He is not having a great year this year, but with that meant he's $84, nice $84 of a low. Um, when we were doing some math around that, we think that uh, should be going for around kind of like 6x or something with that low of number. Wow. Wow, that's a, that might be the lowest mint that I've personally pulled from a pack, yeah. or at least close, one, 152. Yeah, All right. That was a good pack. Well done. Hey, I'll tell you what. I'm glad I've been sitting on that because it's worth a lot more now than it would have been before. <laughs> and it's more exciting when you open up the Steph Curry and it's worth like a couple. You deserve that for running a, you know, a, a stream solo for a good five, ten minutes. Well done. Producer Koo pointing out that, yeah, you know, when we started this thing, my whole bit was that Justin runs good and I don't. But then I got the legendary pack. I've been nailing the most recent pack openings, my Cool Cats uh, pack. I, I tweeted out that my Cool Cats pack, that was $14. I, I forget exactly. I had like Luca, Giannis, I think a, Embiid, or no, Joe. maybe? Yeah, it was a strong KD, starting KD. five. Yeah, well, it was, it was, when I checked on it, it was worth 1400 in current prices. So running hot with the pack openings. This is why we drop everything the second we see the own-the-moment Twitter notifications that the packs are about to drop. We say sorry to the wife, sorry to the kids, sorry to the husband for all of those ladies out there that are dabbling in the NBA top shots because when the packs are dropping, that's the number one thing in our lives. And we just need to be there, especially if we're going to have a rare pack coming up, Justin. What do you think? It. You think we're going to get it? We'll see. And if we do, we're going live, right? We got to get oh, that live stream absolutely, going. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. So. If and when we find out about a rare pack, we will be doing our Pack Drop Lives show where about an hour before the time, we will get on stream. We will talk through just any of the questions, take questions from the chat. It'll be a much more laid back kind of informal show as we prepare for the pack drops. We'll sweat it live to see if Justin or myself, if producer Coop, if anyone in the chat is able to get the legendary or sorry, rare packs. And then we will hopefully be opening a pack or two on stream. And that 
that'll be exciting. And yeah, other than that, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, we're going to be getting into a bit of a more organized schedule here at Own the Moment. Our plan is to have basically two, two podcasts a week between Justin and I, and then continue to have the producer coop after dark show. So Justin and I will look to record with our, or go live with our guests when we can on Tuesdays. We will Mondays. then, or sorry, Mondays. Yeah, you're right. Monday. So we decided Monday, and we'll tweet this out, but we're doing Mondays with guests, Wednesdays, like we did tonight, just with Justin and I, we're also going to be getting together on Thursdays and ask me anything in our discord. So each week it'll be a different member of the OTM team. We'll have an ask me anything. So it'll be either myself, Justin, producer Coop, Goran. We've got three other senior analysts that have joined the team that uh, uh, Neil Bachman, you guys have seen them hanging out in the discord. So we're got a lot of things coming here. A lot of things in the work. Uh, appreciate all of the support that we've seen so far and please, you know, Tell your, tell your friends that are looking to get into this to check out our show. We're really here to try and help build this community. We are just you know, it, truly in love with this NBA Top Shot game and think it's so much fun and just want to share our knowledge with as many people as possible. So, TJ, yeah. what's going on Friday? Oh, my goodness. I've completely buried the lead. Yeah. So on Friday, we are going to have Mr. Napoleon – join us from Indonesia. So we are going to be going live at 10 p.m. Eastern time on Friday, which I believe is going to be like 10 a.m. Friday this night. Time. And it is his 30th birthday. The, the Coop and I were talking to him earlier today. He's got an unbelievable story. We, we didn't learn too much about it because we want to learn in real time on the show, but absolutely unbelievable story. He started with $7,500 in NFTs back in 2017 has built that all the way up to $12 million account valuation in NBA Top Shot. He also said he has like 300 ETH in other NFT projects. So I think he's the number 14 ranked player or ranked uh, moment account balance in NBA Top Shot. So really, really exciting. And the most exciting part, he's going to be giving away 30 moments. And let me tell you, the list is pretty legit. We've got a LeBron Series 2 dunk. We've got a Joel Embiid. One. Yeah, that's good. 7,500 one. We've got a Joel Embiid. We've got a Giannis. All in total, we totaled it up. It was, it was around like 14K of value in moments. Obviously, that can change at any given moment, but I mean, it's going to be awesome. So if you are looking to get into that drawing, please check out our Twitter at OwnTheMomentNFT. We have a tweet out there. You can go in there. You can retweet it. Follow us. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Follow Napoleon. He's also looking to get a YouTube channel up and running. We're going to help him out with that. Make sure that he can start pushing out some content. He's really passionate about trying to drive the adoption of NBA Top Shot in his home country of or uh, hometown of in Indonesia. So we're really looking forward to, to having him on the show. I think it's going to be awesome. Super passionate guy, and we're we're really excited that he reached out to, to be on our show. So yeah, Friday night, mark off your calendars. And the other thing is that we are going to, and this is not in the original tweet, uh, 10 p.m. Friday, Alex, in the chat. For the, the top 15 moments that he's giving away, you have to be present in the chat in order to win. We, we do not feel that it's fair for somebody to just retweet this guy's tweet and then not watch his show and get 
the LeBron James moment. So you have to be present in the chat and watching. Again, this show is not for us. It's not about us. This is all about Napoleon and giving him a platform to share his story and really, really looking forward to it. What do you think, Justin? Yep. And so to make it fair, so if you are polled and you are not in the show and we still have moments of the ones that have not been given out for the top 15, we will give those out to others, um, you know, to, because we still want to make sure if people aren't able to make it, we understand, but you can still register and still have a chance at it. Um, but definitely, um, you know, the ones at the top, we're definitely going to make sure, hey, you've got to be there um, and join us for the fun. It, it's really just going to be a fun, fun birthday bash. Yeah, yeah, we'll be we'll be getting the drinks out. We'll be mixing it up a little bit. We're gonna we're mostly just gonna be asking questions and and learning more about him and his story. And he's he's just he, he's got a lot of a lot of stuff that he's dying to share with the community. And I mean, super super generous. Like, yeah, okay, you could say, well, yeah, he's got twelve. But like, it doesn't matter, dude. Not everyone that has that just gives away so much value for the people for, for no real benefit of his own. So super genuine guy looking forward to that conversation. And hopefully all of you guys are able to join us on Friday night. And uh, I'll put in the chat. It is Napoleon underscore TC. Uh, Cause someone asked what his Twitter handle was, but we also made sure to put it in the Twitter. Um, so you can find it there. Uh, fantastic. I'm really excited to learn, learn a lot from him. Um, so. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be great. Yep, go go ahead, give him a follow, Napoleon underscore TC. Uh, I do not know if he has his YouTube channel up and running yet, but we are, are definitely going to be making sure that we drive him some subscribers on on Friday. He's going to be looking to, to put out some content of his own. Producer Coop's going to help him out, help get him up and running. We know how, how difficult that can be in the early days, doing that solo especially. So really good guy and looking forward to that show. Alrighty. Any final words, Justin, as we close things out? No. Well done. Taking over uh, in my brief absence. This was fun um, and really excited to um, get on a regular cadence, a regular schedule and continue these kind of strategy because we have kind of uh, been pretty busy with the other shows and haven't had one of these strategy in a little bit. Um, and some of that is we've been moving it more to like conversations in the Discord, but uh, definitely want to continue to have these and really get those kind of deep dive focus. Uh, and get a chance to answer some questions directly from you all. So it's good. Yep. Yep. We will be doing this every Wednesday night going forward. We'll stick to the same time, 830 Eastern. We, we tweeted out our schedule for this week. That is something that we're going to be doing every Monday going forward, just so that you guys know where and when you can find us. If you would like to join us live, obviously we will also have this posted on our YouTube channel afterwards and to all of the podcast stores. So Thank you guys for joining us tonight. We will talk to you on Friday. So on behalf of Justin, on behalf of Producer Coop behind the scenes, I am TJ Lasig, and we will see you next time.